Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Matt Arnold sitting in for Jesse. Jess is out in the Holy Land, and he'll be back in about 10 days. So praise God that he's going to visit the site where Jesus walked. Uh, maybe one day Matt and Terry might be able to get there. I have not had the opportunity. Oh, I've had several opportunities. I just haven't jumped on them. Uh, but anyhow, I uh, welcome you, Matt, for filling in for Jesse. Thanks, Terry. It's great to be here, as always. Oh, yeah, we sure have a good time together. We're going to be talking about evangelization and what is the mission of the Catholic Church. And the reason I bring this up, because it seems like there's confusion, even at the high levels of the Catholic Church, about the purpose of the Catholic Church. And um, we're going to get into that and much, much more. But I, uh, even before we get into any of the uh, good-to-know files, I'd rather go right straight to the Gospel of Luke, because this gospel fits into what we're talking about. And then I've got a quote from Fulton Sheen that actually fits the evangelization theme also. So, Matthew, if you could be so good to read uh, the gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 13 to 16, and then let's talk about what it means to each one of us and to the church. Very good. Jesus said to them, Woe to you, for if the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And as for you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will go down to the netherworld. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. It's the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Short and sweet, but man, that's those are that, that's pretty oh, powerful, that's, Matt. Back to the gills, and yeah. you know, it's about. I mean, uh, and especially that final admonition yeah. to the disciples. Well, you know, it's good to have some context. And in the preceding verses, verses ten through twelve, sure. Jesus. And he says, whatever town you enter, if they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the dust of your town that clings to our feet, even that we shake off against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God is at hand. I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom on that day than for that town. So that's the context. Yes. Jesus telling his disciples how to react when people reject the gospel. Wow. And as you know, Terry, I mean, Sodom was a city that God destroyed because of its sinfulness. In yeah. fact, because of, particularly because of a certain sin that uh, St. Paul tells us Christ to heaven for vengeance. Yes. Uh, that those who would do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So then in our reading, Jesus goes on to say that the cities who reject the good news of the Messiah, like Chorazin and Bethsaida had done, will suffer even more than Tyre and Sidon, which, again, like Sodom, were destroyed by God yeah. as a punishment for their wickedness. And then finally, Capernaum. Now, this is his, his base of operations. Right. Right. This right. is where he healed the, the paralytic. This is a, a, um, an important place in the Galilean ministry because it's a crossroads, both for trade and for the Roman military. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you proclaim a message in Capernaum, it's going to very quickly spread far and wide. Uh, but though, I mean, people in Capernaum saw the miracles, they, but they didn't understand them. Many of them did not believe his teaching. And so Capernaum was likewise included among those cities. He said are headed for judgment for rejecting him. Yes. Then he tells the disciples, whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. And what that means is that that punishment 
awaiting the citizens of Capernaum and Chorazin and, and Bethsaida, and, and Sodom for that matter, equally apply to all the places where the gospel that was preached by the disciples and their successors is rejected. Mm -hmm. We have such an urgent need in our times to evangelize and especially to re-evangelize the former Christendom yeah. so that we do not share the fate of Tyre and Sidon and even Capernaum. It's literally a matter of life and death eternal life. Evangelization, as we've said so often, mm -hmm. is about saving souls. Amen. Well, and this is why I get concerned when high officials in the church talk about pastoral concerns for people who are living outside the church and that we shouldn't be, you know, too hard on them. It, it seems that the gospel is like black and white Catholicism here. It's, you know, you're either with me or you're <laughs> against me. And, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be nice to people who are living outside the church. But it seems to me oh, that course. we're not loving them when we don't tell them the truth. Well, and, that's, and you put your finger right on it. I mean, that's the thing that um, what, what's kind of disturbing, I think, in, in these the, the discussions that have led up to the, the current synod is that, that that ultimate end, right, the goal of yeah. evangelism, they talk a lot about mission yeah. and, and, and discipleship and, and, and uh, accompaniment and all that, but what what before the program it's the great commission yes right it's to go and, and preach the yeah. gospel to everybody yeah. and teach them everything that i taught not yeah. just the stuff that you can be comfortable with right you know and, and frankly terry I, i'm a convert to the catholic faith and i don't appreciate being you know having things presented as though we should walk arm in arm with other people who are seeking the truth I got to tell you, without at the risk of sounding triumphalistic, I'm not seeking the truth, Terry. Right. If I didn't believe that I had already found the truth, I would not be Catholic. Of course, of course. Not. I I believe I believe the truths of the Catholic faith, because I believe that God revealed them. Who can neither deceive nor be deceived. It's right there in the act of faith. That's right. And and if I, if I don't, I mean, I believe the truths of the faith, like I believe that I reside in California. Yeah. Like I. That it's that it's the year of our Lord 2023. Right. All right. That's it. That's it's it's belief because of uh, on the motive of the one who did the revealing. Right. And, and so, I mean, it, and the faith can't be some kind of inscrutable mystery. That's a that it's a conundrum wrapped up in, a, in an enigma in some sort of puzzle box. That's in, that's impossible to understand unless it's mediated to us, you know, one piece at a time. By, by some special charism. I mean, that's that's not the tradition of the church. That's and certainly not. I agree, Matt. So and, I'm sorry. I'm no, no, you're <laughs> fired up, and I, I agree totally with what you're saying. And, you know, this, again, uh, brings me to the concern that we have as lay people in the church that evangelization is being put aside, and it's being uh, pushed aside by, uh, I would say, uh, worldliness, meaning that we want to have respect for individuals to a point where we're willing not to tell them the truth because we don't want to offend them or make them feel uncomfortable. But in fact, what we're doing is we're preaching another gospel that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, but a, a man-centered gospel. And well, that's you know, how I see it. That, that's, that, is the, that is the fear. I mean, that, that's, that's the danger mm -hmm. of, of losing sight of the goal, like I said. Well, I'm going to bring Bishop Sheen into the picture because Bishop Sheen has something to say about the full scene ahead. He said, if we only knew, knew it, 
we are fearing the wrong things. See, this applies to our topic. We used to fear God. Now we fear our fellow man. And let me explain what I mean by that, Matt, and you tell me if I'm onto something. We fear man, or in other words, our brothers and sisters, that they might not like us, or they might be upset at us, or we might make them feel uncomfortable more than offending God. Now, that's how I see it. Well, I, I think that's precisely what uh, Bishop Sheen was talking about. And it goes, it goes back to the gospel. And it goes back to, you know, what uh, our Pope John Paul II and, and, and you know, a whole long line uh, of popes have taught about is that we can't be ashamed of the gospel. Right. That we, that we have to be, you know, I mean, th th there's, a, there's a place for prudence. There's a place for, for uh, not uh, overwhelming the I mean, all of that, and the whole, you know, there is a pastoral aspect sure there is. to the Catholic faith, the, the way it's mediated to the people. Of course there is. Let, let uh, me give you my pastoral I, approach. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You're kind of breaking up. No, no. I will interrupt and say that pastoral uh, approach is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And you see, that's the approach that I would think makes total sense as a Catholic position. Do I care enough to you to tell you, Matt Arnold, if I... if Let's just say I didn't know you, and you came to me, and mm. let's say you were living a, a double life. And I said, well, Matt, mm. my name's Tara, meet to meet you. But, you know, Matt, I, I, really, you know, I really care for you because as St. Thomas says, uh, I will the, uh, the good of the other. That's, that's love of somebody. So I'm going to tell you the truth that you need to knock this off if you want to follow Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying it because it's my opinion. It's what Jesus taught and if I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. And so that's pastoral for my take. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I get it. And, you know, I know that we're going to we're going to be talking about evangelization. I've got, uh, you know, some quotes from the. Uh... Oh, yeah. <coughs> I know you've got many quotes. You just broke up for a second there again, Matt. Let me just make a little pitch because oh, this is uh, Friday uh, to uh, the, uh, the 6th of October. We're going to have a conference Matt Arnold, myself, and Dr. Howard will be there for the Bishop Sheen Day. And now Matt doesn't even know this, but I just got word we are going to have present at our conference the cassock of Fulton J. Sheen. Wow, that's great. Yeah. First, first class, someone said it this way. Uh, the Beretta that he had has hair in it, so that would be part of Bishop Sheen. So that's a first class right. relic. relic yeah. And he said that we haven't washed the cassock since I got it. So Bishop Sheen was the last one who wore it. So there you have, we'll have all that. And we're going to have talks at the conference on Fulton Sheen. We're going to have a priest who was converted by Bishop Sheen as a secular person. He's actually uh, a Hindu, and it's an amazing story. You won't want to miss that. Go to vmpr.org to register online, or you can be there in person. When we come back, I want to talk about a Hong Kong bishop saying that evangelization shouldn't have the agenda of converting people to Catholicism. Yeah, I said it right. Stay with us. We'll talk about that and much more. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. Matt Arnold sitting in for Jesse. And I said something, a teaser at the end of the first segment that someone probably said, are you serious, man? I'm serious. A Hong Kong bishop says evangelization shouldn't have the agenda 
of converting converting people to Catholicism. Here's his definition. He added that evangelization, then I'm going to give you what the church teaches. He added that evangelization should help people to come to understand our God. It means love, it means goodwill, and a better life. If that is not uh, so worldly, I'm sorry, it's a worldly uh, explanation of evangelization. When our Lord says that coming to know me, uh, you're going to have the cross in your life. You're going to mimic Jesus Christ. Your better life will be, are you ready, folks? Not in this life, but the next life. And so I bring this up, Matthew, to you, because uh, I said, Matt, let's really talk about a biblical worldview. And I will go right first to Matthew chapter 28. It's a famine, famous when it's, where Jesus said, you know, it was a saving mission. He said, go therefore. This is what he's telling you and I, the bishops, the cardinal, the pope. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Now, that scripture verse and what's going on in Rome right now, because that particular bishop okay, that I just quoted, are you ready? He's one of the delegates at this conference. Mm. His name is Cardinal Des... And he's a cardinal now, as of about six days ago. Mm -hmm. Stephen Cho. And he, uh, unfortunately, doesn't get the basic message of the church because of what he just said. And so we pray for him. But what concerns me, Matthew, is I can give you... I mean, I wrote a book. You wrote my introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I called how to share your faith with anyone. I mean, I've been doing this for 40 years. And then I hear high officials in the church saying, oh, you don't need to be Catholic. Oh, just, just be nice to people. And I'm like, Gandhi was nice. I know a lot of nice people. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Yeah, but, but uh, nobody, nobody follows him as following him to eternal life. No. And so I just want to throw it back at you. That's my first scripture verse, and I got lots more. But I just want to... Uh, encourage our listeners, if you want to get a copy of my book, it's right on our website, uh, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, How to Share Your Faith with Anyone. Scott Hahn wrote my introduction. Uh, I've got endorsements from lots of prelates uh, prelates, and from uh, even uh, Carl Keating, Steve Ray, and others. So I, I encourage you because we, for, we're, when you have leadership the way we have it, we're missing the message. I know Monsignor George Kelly wrote that book, battle for the American church, and he says, where's the church going where its leaders take them? And I know this is on evangelization, but I want to quote Paul VI in 1968. Uh, he talks, he wrote a whole document on evangelization. It, a lot of it's in my book. But I just want to mention something. He said in 68, Matt, that we're living in such crazy times that it's like people inside the church are trying to attack the church from within to destroy it. And it appears to me, Matt, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am, that that statement in 1968 is applicable in 2023. Sure. Well, it's our good Lord himself told us that, uh, you know, the parable of the weeds and the wheat, mm -hmm. that, you know, that uh, the <clears throat> he's going to cut them all down at the end of things and then separate it out. Yep. <laughs> so, so we're going to have you know, there's there's always going to be infidelity within the church. That's true. Uh, yeah. You know, from from the the 
first college of, of bishops, right, which was the apostles. Yeah, one-twelfth of them. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping we're doing better than that now. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, John Paul II talked about evangelization quite a lot, as you sure know. Sure did. Uh, one of the things he said was that um, our duty to bear witness to the death and resurrection of Jesus and his saving presence in our lives is as real and pressing as it was, or as was the duty of the first exactly. disciple. That's right in my book. Yep. Yeah, we must tell the good news to all who are willing to listen. Tell the good news to all who are willing to listen. Direct personal proclamation, one person sharing the faith in the risen Lord with another, is essential. So are other traditional forms of spreading. He wrote a whole book on it. Yeah, he did. But he says proclamation today must take place also in and through the media. And when he wrote these words 20 years ago, social media was was just in its infancy. That's right. But, you know, sharing the sharing the gospel through the media, that's what we're doing right now. Exactly. And, and according to St. John Paul, the impact can hardly be exaggerated. Right. He said, for many, the experience of living is to a great extent an experience of the media. Now, that's more true today uh, with the advent of the smartphone and the proliferation of social media than it was 20 years ago. And so he's saying if if life is going to be experienced, then the proclamation of Christ must be part of that. Yes. But here's the thing, the key to all of this, Tell me. you can't give what you don't have. You cannot give what you do not have. John Paul taught explicitly, in order to witness to Christ, it's necessary to encounter him oneself. Yes. To foster a personal relationship with him through prayer, the Eucharist, sacramental reconciliation, reading and reflecting on God's word, the study of Christian doctrine, service to others. And always, if it is authentic, evangelization will be uh, the work of the Spirit, much more exactly. than our own. And right? Matthew, it's the Holy Spirit that, that, that converts right. people, not you and me. I'm so glad you quoted that quote, because you remember he also said that the Church needs to put all of its energies, all of its energies, towards evangelization. And I don't mean to keep picking on our modern Church right now, but I'm, I'm quite frankly, I'm, I'm fed up with the uh, focus on saving the planet rather than saving my soul. Mm-hmm. Because that goes contrary to what the gospel teaches and what past popes have said about our energy being put into sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And I, I keep saying this because right now they're in Rome, as we speak, discussing all kinds of, of uh, topics from women's priesthood to uh, blessing same-sex couples, uh, you know, things that have already been determined and it's a waste of time and energy. I'm calling the church as a layman, using Canon 212, my needs. Let's get back to the old fundamentals of Christianity that we've been doing for 2,000 years, and that is sharing the gospel, and not worry too much about, you know, um, I mean, I'm going to be, I know it sounds like about my recycling this, this bottle. I recycle. I've got solar panels on my house. I believe in all that. Don't get me wrong. Right. But you know what? It's not my focus. And I think... Right now, we need to get the focus back on Jesus Christ rather than on the world. Well, Terry, I, the, I think the axiom you're looking for here, we need to be good stewards. Yes, good stewards, of, of course. Our, our environment, of course. Yeah. Uh, but, but the world is going to pass away. Everything's going to pass away, right. our good Lord says. But my word will not pass away. Right. Right. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. Uh, with all speaking of recycling, you know, God's going to recycle the whole shooting match. Yes, He is. You know, and 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 we're going to enter into eternity with our resurrected bodies, the whole nine yards. That's right. So, yeah, I, I, as much 
as it's important not to you know poison the planet or or you know put uh, right. to no. profit above human beings or, or whatever the the, the uh, argument is yeah the, the that's my job and yours and our elected officials church's job is to get people to heaven yeah and and, and I think we got to get back on track to that mission that our Lord and Savior gave us to go out and proclaim the gospel in season and out. And I think that message that we get during Lent, we, a lot of people don't want to use it, but it's so biblical. It's called, Terry, Matt, repent and believe in the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to go to confession. I have to acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I think I'm, I'm wondering sometimes if, if we've missed the mark on what is sin, that maybe this is really the, the question we need to really answer in the modern church, and that is, what is sin? Because from mm. what I can tell right now, we we seem to be justifying all kinds of sins by saying, well, they don't really understand, or, you know, give them a break, look at the good side, you know, they're, they're only fornicating with um, one woman rather than two. I mean, it seems <laughs> like we've, we've missed it by saying, looking at, uh, you know, don't don't come down at all on the moral teachings and just kind of look for the good. But I, it seems to me what we're doing is we're actually increasing, and this, this is what I think, that people are leaving the church by the groves. We know the nuns are growing. And when I read these studies, many of the Catholics said, why would I want to be a Catholic? I don't see the leadership living the faith. Mm-hmm. I see them compromising on sexual morality. I see them wanting to lower the bar. And that's not something I'm interested in. Right. Well, I mean, that's the, I mean, the the big uh, issue with Amoris Laetitia. That's correct. Is this idea that um, that people who are, you know, in a, in a second marriage without benefit of an annulment yeah. can, with the help of their parish priest, as yeah. though this is, you know, whatever that might mean, being accompanied by him, may determine for themselves and their own conscience whether or not it's okay for them to go to communion. Yeah, that's not. I, you know, well, well I, I, you know, I, I have a, I have a, I have a, a message for them. It's not. I'm sorry. What, what is it's your not message? Okay. Okay. Thank you. Know, you. Yeah. What, of, what, of course. It's when people say, you know, it's like they they can decide for themselves yeah. if it's okay or not. I'm not telling you right now. It's not. But but you as know, long as you remain in, in in an objective state of mortal sin without the intention of seeking absolution or making a firm purpose of yeah. amendment. You know, because once you do that, then it's like, well, I, I just murdered the one guy, and I guess it's so, and I'm going to do it again, but but I think it's okay. Yeah. Well, I'm all right with it. Well, what happens with that, Matthew, as you know, uh, in making yourself the judge and the verdict going your way, you never consider yourself guilty. You always mm-hmm. say, well, I feel. So what does feelings have to do with objective truth? See, I, I don't get that. Because it's black and white Catholicism is what attracts me. I want to know what's right, and I want to know what's wrong, and yeah. I look to the church to tell me. And it's and it's sometimes it's difficult to do what's right. In fact, it's it's you know we we have a suffer from a little something called concupiscence, of course, which is an inclination towards sin. So yeah, I, you know it's not not easy to do the right thing. Gosh, even Saint Paul, you know, goes into this long lament about, you know, who's going to save me from this mortal body because the, you know, the, the good I want to do, I don't do the evil. I don't want to do. I do. Yep. I mean, it's like, man, if, if St. Paul was struggling with it, it's no surprise that I am. 
And, and that's normal, you know, Matthew. That's normal. And this is why spiritual exercises that the church has given to us over the centuries, okay? Human nature has mm-hmm. not changed one bit. No. Not at all. And, and you know, even in our own lifetime, there was a book written in 1972, Whatever Happened to Sin, Carl Menninger, a Jewish right. psychiatrist. And he said the churches aren't talking about sin anymore. And it, it appears to me that when we don't have a good understanding of our concupiscence, as you call it, our fallen or human nature, then you miss the mark, obviously. And when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about what concupiscence is because we need to understand the effects of original sin and then how do we overcome those effects we have sacraments at the teaser everybody you're listening to the terry and jesse show on virgin most powerful radio matt arnold sitting in for jess Romero. stay with us family we'll be right back Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold sitting in for us here. Matt, I mentioned that as a teaser, original sin, and the concupiscence of that. And let me just tell you why I want to discuss this with you and whoever else is at our coffee table. (laughs) And that is that uh, when you don't understand original sin properly, about sin and salvation, then there's really no need to evangelize anybody. Because we have universal salvation, meaning everybody gets to heaven. And I sometimes I, I, I'm wondering if some people in our church really don't believe that original sin is really original sin, and that maybe they just believe everybody's going to be saved, so why correct anybody anybody's lifestyle that's contrary to the gospel? Because, you know, Jesus' blood is going to, uh, uh, you know, precious blood of Jesus will wipe that away, and there's no need to repent because everybody gets to heaven. Now, I'm wondering if that's the case, but I, I hope they don't believe that. But it seems to me that if you don't understand original sin, nothing else makes sense, Matt. Well, you're, you're right, of course. I mean, that, that's the thing. The, we call Jesus Messiah, which means Savior. save. Yes. What's he saving yeah. us from? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and that's the thing that people have conflated. Redemption and salvation. Yeah, that, you know, well said. Our, our Pope Saint John Paul, when he was talking about evangelization and the Eucharist, remember he, Ecclesia de Eucharistia, he yeah. had a whole year devoted to this. Yep. And he says, when we take part in the Eucharistic sacrifice, we understand more profoundly the universality of redemption. Wow. And consequently, the urgency of the Church's mission. Yes. So you see, there's two different things here. Yeah. yeah. And. Yes, I mean, Pope Francis, early in his pontificate, said everyone has been redeemed. Yeah. And that's not controversial. It's absolutely true. Jesus Christ paid the price right. uh, for every single one of us. Yep. But we have to cooperate with the graces one on the Holy Cross in order to be saved. Redemption and salvation, two different things. Yes. As a matter of fact, I have something that might—I uh, love this little saying. Uh, well, it, it ties into that. It's about truth, about salvation. Truth is not something we invent. Truth is something we discover. Ah, very good. And we discover the truth about salvation through Holy Mother, the Church, with the scriptures and the traditions of the Church that teach this. And so it's not something that 
Matt Arnold or Terry Barber or any individual can come up with and say, well, this is how it works. We, we're not, we're, <laughs> we just don't make up these things, Matt. That's right. That's, I, I can say with St. Paul, I'm really handing on that which I received. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and it, you think about that. You think about the Eucharist. Yeah. And of course, you remember, what did Jesus do at the synagogue the day after the miracle of loaves and fishes? Right? People are there wanting more bread. And yes. he says, and, and instead, he, he. Yep. Go ahead, Matt. You broke up for a second. Say it Listen again. To it. Yeah. Oh, the, the people, I'm sorry about the. the yeah. audio here, but uh, the, at the synagogue the next day, Jesus preached about his real presence in the Eucharist. He did. And the people rejected him. Right. So the Bible says he let them go. He even asked the apostles if they would like to leave also. And of course they remained. Peter says, you have the words of eternal life. Right. Well, sharing that, sharing that truth, that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, that he has the, the words of eternal life, that's the goal of evangelization. Well, Matt, I use that analogy to my friends regarding the Holy Eucharist that he was very pastoral. See, most, most people today would say, oh, he was a meanie. He told them, hey, you want to? this is how it works. If you don't like it, take the high road. I said, well, yeah, because it's the truth. He, he's not going to compromise on the truth. And so my, my connection is, is when somebody comes to me living a lifestyle that's in error, that's offensive to Almighty God, whether it's your son or daughter or friend or even not a friend, we have a moral obligation to love them. Right. And what does St. Thomas define love? Will the good of the other. That's right. So how do you will the good of the other? By letting him go and living in that style of life that's going to condemn them to all eternity objectively? And I, I'm not judging. I'm just saying, if you live no fornicator... The Bible says we'll enter the kingdom of heaven. Matt, you didn't say it. The Bible said it. The church right. is teaching that. It's mortal sin. So what kind of pastoral uh, you know, nonsense is it to say, oh, uh, you know what? Let me give you a blessing. It's okay. That's hmm. not what our Lord did. And so, again, I keep coming back to this evangelization theme of sharing the gospel. We've got to stop this nonsense that says, well, we don't want to offend man. Mm -hmm. We just don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. All are welcomed. Yes, all are welcomed with an understanding that they come to church and they're welcome to come and under Jesus Christ's terms, not your mm -hmm. terms. That means well, you repent. Know, you put your finger right on it. it it's, um, again, going back to John Paul II, it's about... Uh, you know, a lot of people in church, they are kind of using this similar language, but they're failing to make the important distinctions, right? Uh, John Paul said, only God's love is able to make brothers and sisters of all people, of all races and cultures. We're not already all united. No, that's right. Okay? He said, only God's love can heal the, the painful divisions that still oppress humanity, and they still do. Yes. And so he says the evangelizing mission of the church is essentially the announcement of God's love and mercy and forgiveness, but revealed— through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the proclamation of the good news yes. that God loves us and wants all people united in his loving mercy. See, if, if we're all to be united together in the one faith, it's going to require something more than, than accompaniment. Yes. Well, and, well, can I just— No, finish it, because i got a scripture verse that's going to back you up right there. 
Well, perfect. That well, it's like the road to Emmaus, <laughs> you know, the, about talking about accompaniment. Yes, and and it's often invoked the road to Emmaus. Well, Jesus didn't just accompany the disciples along the road; he explained to them everything that was said about him in the scriptures, and then he revealed himself to them in the breaking of the bread in the Eucharist. Yes. So to preach the gospel with convincing words. In other words, to instruct the ignorant, as you were yeah. talking about, that's a spiritual work of mercy. Yeah. It's been my yeah. work as a lay minister in the Diocese of Orange for 14 years. Yep, yep. And working with you for 25. That's right. And, and I just want to back you up with a little scripture, because 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, says something that it hit me in the, right between the eyes. Woe to me, Terry, if you do not preach the gospel. So hmm. woe to us in our church that they want to preach a gospel other than a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I say this out of, out of love for my leaders in my church. You, we, need, we have a mandate from Jesus Christ to preach the gospel in season and out. And as a matter of fact, Matthew, I'll say this to you. You and I both made promises to our wives at an, on an altar, right at, at, at our wedding. And we have to keep those promises. And guess what? Priests and bishops make promises. Right. And one of the promises is to proclaim the deposit of faith. Now, out of charity, I'm calling my brother, my priests and bishops and the Holy Father because I love them to preach the gospel and not the gospel of the world because their salvation, just like mine is, dependent on promises I made. If they keep their promise, our Lord is going to bless them with eternal life. So if I don't love them, I wouldn't tell them that. But I love them enough to, enough to tell them that they also need to keep the promises they made, like you and I did at the altar. And their promise is they promote the deposit of faith. And part of the deposit of faith is to go and preach the gospel. Well, amen. That's the thing, to instruct the ignorant, to yeah. admonish the sinner. Oh, that's great. I, that means to admonish. That means to admonish means to warn. Yeah. To admonish the sinner, to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful. These to the works of mercy, and and to suggest that you know this kind of explicit evangelization is suddenly wrong. Yeah. Or or, or suddenly forbidden. Well, that's a contradiction. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I mean, that's the whole point of my program: is the contradictions are nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and they need to be called out as, as nonsense. And you know what? We do it with love and devotion. If you noticed, a lot of people, you look at the internet right now, and they're all upset about mm. X, Y, and Z. But there's one thing that we do here at VMPR that's a little different. I ask this. Are we praying for our leaders in our church? Are we making reparation for this, what I call sacrilege? Today, I played a clip, Matthew, and mm-hmm. and if you've ever been to Rome, but there's a hall called Pope Paul the Sixth Hall. It holds about eight thousand people. It's where the all the activity is going on right now. And there were some entertainers there with the Holy Father, and it looked like it was the entertainment you would get in in Las Vegas. The girls were dressed like, yeah, very scantily dressed and very seductive. And I asked myself, what's going on here? <clears throat> Why is this going on? Well, the world says this kind of dance, it's okay. It's okay because it's entertaining. But you know what? When I saw that, I consider it offensive to women. 
because they were the women were out there uh, being used as objects to be used. And, you know, we as a church are supposed to hold up the dignity of womanhood. And so I played that today on the Terry and Jesse show. And people can go watch it again. It's not X-rated. It's just that it's immodest. Mm. There's no place for that in the church. And so why I, I bring this up is because let's get back to the good old days of sharing the gospel, telling people to repent and believe in the gospel so that we can, you know, evangelize the folks. Because right now I see, again, I keep repeating the theme, it's worldliness, Matt. And Bishop Sheen said it years ago. He said, the next crisis is going to be that we're one with the world. And I see that happening right now. Well, you know, Terry, I am, you know, I'm a medievalist. Of course. And and one of the, the things that I hear most often is, well, you can't turn back the clock. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I, the first half, that's demonstrably false. I turn back the clock on my sins every time I go to confession. Exactly. Okay. But also... Hey, hold your thought. I want to hear this because <laughs> this is going to be good because, again, um, we have the deposit of faith for, with us in our church. And this is something that's critically important. And Matt... I want to get your take on turning the clock back. And what do you mean by that? I know you said about confession, but I think you've got more to say on that. Stay with us, family. You're listening to The Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to The Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back indeed. Jesse's out of town. Matthew Arnold's sitting in for Jesse. And, you know, I like to say this, and I mean this, even among all the, uh, the problems. I'm too inspired to be tired, Matthew. I'm too protected to be dejected. And I'm too renewed to be subdued. Why? Because we have Jesus Christ's teaching in our church, and we just need to go back to basics, and everything will be fine. And I mean that... It, in, I'm talking about individual people listening here. We really do have the faith, and we just need to uh, study it, live it, and no matter what happens out there in Rome or anywhere else in the world, it really doesn't affect you, the uh, the person listening, if you have your faith, because nobody could take that away from you. Matt, you had a teaser at the break. You said yes, this said. idea about turning the clock back. Yo, you can't turn the clock back, and you said... Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. What do you mean by that? Well, yeah, the first uh, the first point I made there is that, yeah, I, I turn the clock back on my sins every time I go to confession. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, um, uh, last time I went, a couple weeks ago, the priest said to me, said, remember that every confession is a new beginning. Yes. You're right with God. Beautiful. And beautiful reality. Yes. That, yeah, I'm a sinner. Right. I sin. But that grace is available to me to to renew my you know baptismal innocence. Right. I get to go back to you know I'm going to carry the now I'm going to have to worry about the temporal punishment due for those sins and that's sure. what the why he gives you a penance. Right. But but have those sins not just forgiven but absolved. That's that's huge. Yes, it that's is. The clock. But but what I was talking about, you know, like I say, I'm a medievalist and you I are. remind people that before. You're medievalist, Matthew. We lost you. Continue, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Am yeah. I am I back? Yeah, you're back. You said you're, you're a middle. Okay. 
medievalist. Well, the, the thing is that that before the church uh, was established, yeah. and before it became established, um, you know, in Western culture in the Middle Ages, especially, there were physicians, but there were no hospitals. Right. There were no hospitals. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and and these things had to wait for Christianity to come along, and you know have people understand that that you know we have an obligation to take care of our fellow man, because when you go back, if you look at the world before Christ came, yeah, tell us, abortion was rampant, That's homosexuality, right. uh, pornography, yeah. prostitution, sex trafficking, all of these. These things were epidemic in their society. And the fact that these things are being resurgent, not only that, but the idolatry of worshiping, you know, the, the old pagan gods that they worshiped, they were representative. They worshiped money and sex and power and popularity. And that's those are the same idols that have reinserted themselves today. Yes. So I maintain that, you know, when people look at stuff, they call this stuff progress. It's not progress. We're going backwards. Exactly. That, well, that Christ well, came not to, just to save us individually, but to save us from from that. Exactly, man. I I love what you just said. The key word was uh, we're reverting back to paganism. I mean, you didn't say yeah, it that way, but I think we are turning back the clock. <laughs> we're turning back the clock to paganism. Yeah, and this is why the need for the gospel to be preached is even greater than it was before. I really enjoy what Pope Benedict the Sixteenth said about the gospel. He said this, there's nothing more beautiful than to be surprised by the gospel, by the encounter with Jesus Christ. He said, there's nothing more beautiful than to know him and to speak to others of our friendship with him. And I think of that, man, Arnold, you've been to a restaurant with your lovely wife and you've had a great meal. Maybe it was an Italian restaurant. And then you call me and we're talking and you say, oh, Terry, did I tell you about this restaurant over here on such and such a place? We had a great meal there. Well, I said, mm -hmm. fine, I might, you know, check it out, but thank you for sharing that. We do that all the time in secular matters. What about the most important matter, which is the gospel, about salvation? I keep saying it over and over again. It's our mandate. I mean, I even quote St. John Henry Newman when my book was published. It didn't, he said, blessed, but he's a saint. He said, God has created me to do him some definitive service. He's committed some work to me which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. Now, that's the saints telling us that. Now, Matt, I know the attributes of you. You're a convert to the Catholic faith. You're a gifted communicator. You, you write well. You do a lot of things well for the faith. You teach RCIA for the last 14 years. And uh, I'm not going to say that you're the only one that can teach the RCIA. No, but I'm saying God had you picked to do that for that time at that parish from all eternity. And you said yes. So I say, praise God. But how many of us all, look at me, look at this bald-headed old guy who's in his mid-60s, coming to be 66 years old, and God picks me to do an apostolate for 45 years where millions of recordings have gone out, countless converts have come into the faith, and I say, I'm just doing my duty. So what's the message to all of our listeners, Matthew, in these last couple minutes? I'm going to you know where I'm going, so let me hear your thoughts about how can we put these into action. Well, it all it all goes back again. It's it's you know, for me it, uh, and for John Paul II. It all goes back to 
the Holy Eucharist. Yes. We, we are, the U.S. bishops are, are trying uh, to foster a Eucharistic revival mm-hmm. uh, in this country right now. Right. And I just got a, an email on Thursday from the, uh, the National Eucharistic Revival Good. that uh, the latest statistic from CARA, I did see from that. Georgetown University, yes. is that uh, 17% of Catholics go to Mass now. Sad. 17%. Yep. And, and, and last week, Cardinal Dolan of New York uh, said that he asked in their pre-synod survey, he asked, you know, why do you think people don't go to Mass? And the wow. number one answer he got is because Sunday Mass is too long. Can you imagine? That, doesn't that just speak <laughs> volumes about what they think the Mass is? Well, that's just it. You know, I, it's like um, Father Edward Maristani wrote a book a few years ago called Loving the Holy Mass. He's a priest that gives youth talks primarily, mm-hmm. presentations to, to Catholic kids trying to inspire them to love the Holy Mass. Sure. But unfortunately, he said, even after his talk, the number one question the kids ask is, how late can I come to Mass and still fulfill my obligation? Yeah. And he said, and the second question is like it, how soon can I leave? Yeah, see. You know, because their number one impression is that Mass is boring. And I talked about it on my show this last Thursday that, you know, about, you know, how it is that, you know, it's like the Holy Mass isn't entertainment. No. You know, and, and therefore, uh, you know, people that, that try and make it entertaining uh, are, I think that that's, you know, uh, um, ill-conceived, right? Uh, not the best idea. John Paul II, he got it back in 2001. He mandated a more faithful celebration of the Mass. That's right. And that took concrete form as, as Redemptionus Sacramentum. 2004, yeah. A, a whole host of common liturgical abuses were, uh, in the language of the instruction, reprobated. Yes. Well, you nailed it, and I, I appreciate you, you saying that. And Cardinal Dolan also said something crazy that, I, God rest, I pray for him, uh, because he said that the Mass is... Uh, maybe too long, as you just said, and maybe we need to adjust. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to make the assumption that uh, he's wrong, which I think he is, and that we need to actually instruct people better on what the Mass is about, because if they realize that they were at that one eternal sacrifice of Calvary, That's- they're present there, I don't think they'd be saying it was too long for my own personal redemption. They would be falling in love, because this is what got me, oh, how many years, 50-some years ago, to go to daily Mass, because I understood the Mass. So I would say to our church leaders, teach the Mass. Give us what the church teaches, and you'll, people will come. But if you don't teach, they're going to have no idea. They're going to think that it's just for entertainment, and I've got lots better entertainment than going to Mass. Oh, that's right. Hollywood can do it much better, than, better. Your, than your local parish. And that's the thing. They're, they're currently... So I mean, they're having meetings and they're suggesting initiatives and they're doing all sorts of activities and, and doing things to make a statement or whatever. But, you know, the, it's conspicuous by its absence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is what I think is the most obvious thing. Yeah, first teach the liturgy. And the second thing is stop abusing it. Exactly. You want people to take the Eucharist seriously. Yeah. And this I'm speaking directly to the bishops of the church right now in this United States. You want people to take the Eucharist more seriously. Lead by example. Oh, man, you just nailed it. You nailed it with that. Matthew, uh, I want to encourage people to come see us on the 14th of October here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. week from Saturday. Yep, and if you can't come, you can still watch it on the Internet by streaming. Go to vmpr.org to sign up, or you can call 877-526-2151. I got a minute, Matt. How about uh, telling us what you're going to talk about uh, at that event with Bishop Sheen. I, you know that I am a great fan of St. Thomas Aquinas. I'm a great fan of Thomism. Of course. 
Uh, I try and keep an even keel uh, and and remain calm, <laughs> but I sometimes get kind of fired up. And I'm really fired up about this talk. I'm going to be talking about Bishop Sheen. My thesis is that Bishop Sheen was a modern-day Thomas Aquinas. Absolutely. I, I am going to marshal the evidence to, to show that. But you know what? Thomas Aquinas was very was very calm. He was a big man. Yeah. He was he was uh, uh, not an emotional man particularly. He was not given to uh, to drama, like you know, like Saint Francis, for example. Yeah. Bishop Sheen had both those qualities. He his scholarship and his understanding of Thomism was so deep, mm-hmm. but it transcended yes. uh, just a mere knowledge or understanding, and he put it into practice. Where so many of the things, so many of the problems that we are still facing right now, uh, that weren't not a part of of Thomas's world, Bishop Sheen met them with that same, uh, uh, just amazing depth of understanding of not only the Catholic faith but of the human person. Yeah. And and his teachings are just, I mean, he is, he is the modern day Thomas Aquinas. I agree. And he needs to be a saint. And that's what you're going to do. And what I'm going to do is talk on the evangelization side of Fulton Sheen uh, as the national director of, of the um, evangelization for the propagation of the faith right. for years. And he's got stories of people that he shared the gospel with that should inspire all of us. So I'll be doing that and much, much more. And then um, we will have a, a, the good doctor coming to talk about uh, the cause of Fulton Sheen and where that's at. We have over 10,000 people signed up to encourage Rome to beatify Fulton Sheen. If you're there, you'll be able to do that on the spot. You'll see Bishop yep. Sheen's miter and his cassock. At the uh, chapel. Awesome. I'm so looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, so am I. Matthew Arnold, what state should we be living in? Oh, Terry, that's the state of grace. <laughs> Amen. And, you know, we talk about the Mass, that one eternal sacrifice. We can offer up all of our sacrifices for the salvation of souls, because our lady said it at Fatima. Souls are going to hell because no one is there to make reparation and to pray for them. So make sacrifices for the salvation of souls. And believe it, at your death and your judgment, believe me, those prayers that you offered will be very meritorious for your judgment also. Again, uh, go ahead to vmpr.org to look at our schedule for the Spiritual Warfare Conference for all the conferences that we're putting on at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And I want to thank everybody for all the support you give us. Keep the lights turned on and the microphone on. God love you.